Welcome. My name is Yura Glo. I'm a radical honesty trainer, and this is my honesty, where I get to be me and talk about the things that matter. Honesty, intimacy, mental health for today. That I imagine is also helpful for relationship. Today I want to talk about signs of codependency, um, which is not something that I'm very good at. This topic is not something that I know much of. It's something that I learned just recently. And I was amazed and surprised how many things that are written about codependency are the things that I'm dealing by myself um, in my own relationship and especially my own family, as well as my clients are dealing in their relationships. And I was like, hmm, there must be something that there's something that I need to know more about it because I'm encountering this almost daily, what people call codependence. And today, so I'm going to use this book by Pia Melody. It's called Facing Codependence um, to help myself to explain because it's a little bit like I am fish in the water where water is codependence patterns and I'm the clueless fish who is just like, oh, a water bubble, <laughs> a pattern. I can recognize it now, but I don't consider myself good at it. Um, so let's see what I can make out of this live today. Um, today, I want to talk about the five symptoms of codependence that PM Melody is describing. And also, I'm going to share a little bit of my own experience so that you have something to relate with. For me, these codependence patterns are so well integrated and so normalized in the, in the society as success um, symptoms like the successful people how their behavior is normalized as if that is okay when in fact the, these are codependence symptoms um and i forgot what i wanted to say here i am going blank i'm actually pretty cool now that that i can say that i don't know what i'm about to say and not experience any stress about it it's been really difficult to uh say that back in the day that I don't know what's, what I'm going to say. Um, right, so the purpose of me doing this live today is to cover the basic, just to talk about the symptoms, share my own experience so that you can relate and maybe pinpoint your own um, codependent patterns and then treat them as such and then move towards recovery. I like... I'm not, I come from the tradition of like not labeling and not pathologizing people or um, symptoms. And for the sake of me trying to take this thing seriously, I really like that Pia Melody, she calls it a disease and she even provides a 12-step program for adult codependent people because it's like alcoholism that codependent people produce more codependent children and those children produce, grows up, grow up and produce produce more codependent people so the codependency goes from generation to generation and it's something to be treated like alcoholism in the same way so i make this now important and i would like 
you to make this important in your life. And instead of going to another self-improvement program, another course or another, um, I don't know, another, yeah, words. Instead of doing another activity that would make you a better person, rather to do an, in, a personal inventory of your experiences while growing up and look for events that were less than nurturing for you and see how those events might have shaped how you are relating to yourself and relating to the environment. So my purpose for today is to whistleblow and name the codependency-related symptoms so that you can do a little inventory for yourself like I did and then take actions in recovery. Or maybe it's not for you and be like, I'm fine and something else works for you better. The main symptoms of codependency, PMLD is naming, and you can also Google and read more on um, what other therapists are, and scientists are naming as codependence, codependent behavior, is first difficulty experiencing an appropriate level of self-esteem. And the codependent people are either have arrogance and grandiose, grandiosity, or they have other esteem. So these people who um, base their sense of value on what they're wearing, the houses that they have, the, the financial successes, their performance, their intelligence, um, their, um, their children's successes, everything that is externalized. And I can relate to that, like, this this difficulty to experience my appropriate self-esteem because two years ago when I fell into depression, fell into depression, then I had to peel it down and look what is it that this like what is driving this this extreme heaviness and self-loathing and this like one this this desire not to live was this sense of significance. I'm not valuable. I'm not necessary. I'm not needed in this world. It doesn't, world doesn't work for me. Everything is against me and therefore I shouldn't be living. I didn't have my sense of value that was stemming from myself. I was um, perceiving my value from how many workshops I've done, how many people I've saved, how many people wrote me emails and messages about how grateful they are, how I changed their lives. Um... So I was basing my self-esteem on my achievements and I was overachiever, I was successful, I was doing great and I could not understand how come I'm so depressed when I have everything that I wanted. Also, I think last year <laughs> with COVID, there's a gap of a year that I, I, I struggled to orient how long ago I had, how long ago was last year. But I think last year I was having a conversation with my flatmate and he's like, well, you just seem so arrogant, Yura. And then I thought, I have, get, I have gotten this feedback from other people as well. I am intimidating for many people. And for those, that, for those people that I don't really like or those people that I um, don't want to be, feel connected, I am often arrogant towards them. And I have this like, sense that I, should, that I am better than everyone else. 
And I was telling him, it's like, yeah, that's true. I am arrogant. And actually, when I say it, when I think about that, that my in my psychology, the way I perceive the world, I'm either above everyone or below everyone. I feel sad. Like, it's not a good thing. It's not pleasant experience for me to be arrogant, to perceive myself, in, to, to compare myself in the world in this way. And that was something new for me to acknowledge that, you know, we think that, oh, these people are so arrogant as if I think arrogance is a disease. And I'm very happy that this book proves me right. So people who, the way, the way that inappropriate sense of um, level of self-esteem emerged is, is usually in a dysfunctional family when we, we have been criticized and compared or if we or if we were encouraged and hear and heard our caregivers criticize other people and compare it so we could compare ourselves to other people as more better than them or less than them um i wonder if i should go to the childhood experiences right now or not <clears throat> ideally in the in the in the in a good family children experience themselves as valuable they have this perceived value from within the presence of their own humanity but they grow if they grow up in a dysfunctional family with codependent parents or parents who are addicted to substances or people or parents who suffer from mental illness then they do not get to experience their self-humanity because that humanity has been denied, criticized, or anyhow um, impaired. Mm, but through the, the relationship with the parent, with the caregivers. Right. Now, so the first sign of codependency is this difficulty to experience an, an appropriate level of self-esteem. The second symptom of codependence is this difficulty setting functional boundaries. And, you know, you can refer to my previous video on boundaries, where I was naming the list of, of the kind of boundaries that um, there are. And PMLD sheet names about, talks about the external boundaries, which is the distance you want to keep between yourself and other people including sexual boundaries, everything that is separates you from others physically. Then there are internal boundaries where you protect, you want to protect your thinking and your feelings and your internal experience. Those are internal boundaries. And boundaries that are intact, that means that when you have this perceived um, intact boundaries then you feel like you are having a protection and you can be vulnerable with the world if you don't feel protected or you cannot feel vulnerable if while growing up you've been shamed for being vulnerable or your physical boundaries have been crossed um, or mm, in general boundaries they have to be taught so if there was nobody who would model you boundaries then you had to find a way how to adapt. And usually the adaptation is non-existent boundaries. So a person who's 
a little bit like me. I, I imagine I grew up with non-existing boundaries where anybody could tell me anything, harassment is treat, and I would justify them and be, or I would laugh at them. I would make myself like, huh, that guy. And I would not um, respond or react or somebody was mean to me and I would just giggle away and walk away and I would not give a second thought about it. I would not respond to the other people. In the same way, I remember was laying with my back then partner in bed and I thought, I truly believe that I have to give him sex. That's expected of me. Good that I checked because when I checked, he's like, oh, no, I don't want you to give me sex. Like, I want you to like make love with me when you want to make love. But in my world, with no boundaries, he could have done with me whatever he wanted. I had no perceived boundaries. So people with non-existent boundaries, they, they have no protection. And they perceive no protection. And those are, um, yeah. That is a painful experience to be. Um, the, then people who have damaged boundaries, they are partially protected. So I'm thinking of myself. I didn't prepare this example. But there, there were things that I was okay with and there were things that I would stay away from. For example, I would stay away from <laughs> walking at night on the street because I thought that if I get attacked, I would not even call police because it's my fault that I'm getting attacked on the street at night. I shouldn't have been walking at night. These are damaged boundaries. Somebody who doesn't perceive that they have a stance in the world of with their being, that's fucked up. I'm just going to spend some time waiting here on Instagram. So the other way how we adapt to violation of our boundaries or the non-existent the perception of or with the difficulty to feel our boundaries is to have walls instead of boundaries so walking around the world and like you can't touch me whatever you say doesn't like it slides away you can't say you can't affect me anyhow and um this provides complete protection but no intimacy usually the walls are usually anger, like anger outbursts. If you tell me something and I will, I get angry and I was like, fuck you. I'm not going to do what you tell me or fear. If, if, you know, you tell me something and I get scared and then I freeze and I run away or silence. That's something that I've done a lot in my life. When somebody said something that I didn't like, or they approached me, I would be silent and I would not talk or would apply silent treatment or use words to attack. I also, I, I learned these really mean, horrible, sadistic, psychological ways how to abuse people with my words. So if you tell me something and I don't like it, I knew how to fuck you up by the words. Like I knew how to use words to hurt people. That's the skill I've learned in my environment that was necessary i'm very glad that i don't need to use it anymore like i said it provides the complete protection but no intimacy so it's a bit of a lonely path and then there are with like sweet people who are switching from non-existing boundaries to complete boundaries and in between 
you can check in with yourself. I really like this book because this book provides examples um, from, first of all, the author. She is writing her own examples in her own personal relationship, as well as she is describing her clients, the people who come. And the examples are amazing in the way that I can relate to them as well as my clients can relate to them, the people that I work with. So the second symptom of codependence is difficulty setting functional boundaries. Now, the third symptom of codependence is difficulty owning my own reality. And there are four realities, so to say, the name of the book is Facing Codependency by Pia Melody. I just answered a question too on Instagram. Um, difficulty owning our own reality. The body, first of all. I had difficulty perceiving my own body. And I did a lot of things in my life that I would violate. Like I was feeling pain and I would not take care of myself. So I would get sick often. Um, yeah, difficulty owning how my body feels and taking care of it. Now, thinking, another reality to take care of, that to own my own um, meanings that I make of the world, to own my own thoughts, I grew up putting whatever I was thinking, I was like, oh, that's not important, bam, gone. I would think something, oh, that's also not important, I would compartmentalize and make myself not important a lot with my thinking. Or if if I have, if I believe something and another person comes and say, that's not how it is, then I would doubt my own reality. I would doubt my own perception of how things are. And I have sabotaged myself a lot with this way of being in the world where anybody could come to me and it's either I have to be already prepared with a good defense mechanism explaining them how I am right and what I'm thinking is correct or I had absolute complete no like if I don't if I don't have a good argument that's it what I'm thinking is not true anymore which is perfect for anybody who are good at manipulating and gaslighting I'm a perfect victim I would really fall for it for it another reality is our feelings as you know probably, if you're following my channel, that in our society, we grew up feelings in compartmentalized feelings into good or bad, right or wrong. And so for codependent people, your feelings can be either right or either wrong. So happiness is probably right, is good, and sadness is probably bad. You shouldn't be feeling sadness. So if I am or anger is usually the most of emotion. So if I'm angry and somebody comes and say, oh, no, no, you know, I just learned in this new age school that he, anger is just a cover up for sadness, then I would believe them because I don't, I struggle to own my own feelings, to perceive my own feelings and emotions in my body and to claim them and name them as so. And also another reality is behavior. Some codependent people are really struggling to, to own, to be accountable for their own actions. And one of the examples that Pia Melody is mentioning is a person who simply does something and then forgets about it. And it's 
something that I noticed in my own family that has happened and the people that I've dated who were, I judged them to be violent and abusive towards other family members or towards me. And then the next day when I asked them about it, do you remember you said, you told me so-and-so they completely forgot. They forgot every, like every, everything violent that they have said or done. And codependent people struggle to own and simply take accountability for their behavior because they tend to forget it, delete it. It's one of the coping strategies for codependence. So the first core symptom of codependence is difficulty experiencing appropriate levels of self-esteem, have the sense of value. The second is difficulty setting functional boundaries so that you could be also connected and intimate as well as protected. <clears throat> Third is difficulty owning your own reality, which is often comes out in denying other people's reality as well, or taking other people's reality upon yourself and thinking, oh yeah, they're right, I'm wrong, must be something wrong with me. No, you're just codependent, you borrowed. <laughs> you borrowed their reality because you struggle to own your own. The fourth symptom is difficulty acknowledging and meeting your own needs and wants and being interdependent with others. And interdependence is different from codependence or complete dependency. And this is how I like to explain it, that the difference between codependency and interdependency is that when you're codependent, you need to sell yourself out. So you depend on other people and you're paying price, you sacrificing, you doing something that you don't want to do. Um, it's unpleasant, you're unhappy, but you believe you should be doing so. This is good because it's familiar. Interdependence means that I am allowed, I can, and I choose to be my own person and I do not sacrifice myself as well at the time when I'm being dependent on other people. So it's two people meeting, mingling, separating, coming together, separating, individuation, separation. In codependency, there is a one person and a codependent who enmesh with the person or the other way around, which I haven't thought about. So, I wish I could just delete what I just said. <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> I cannot argue for that point. So I'm going to take it back. You know, this worm in my cheeks. I'm a little bit embarrassed. Mm, yeah, this is how I'm thinking that this is how it works when I'm talking about something that I don't feel strongly yet uh, gone through myself. Um, so, so, yeah. Codependent people who, who struggle to know their wants and wishes and struggle to know what is inter or how to interdepend rather than um, codepend. They are either too dependent, which is something that I can relate very much. Um, and those codependent people who are too dependent, they know their wants and needs but they're completely helpless in, in fulfilling those needs. And they have an expectation that others should fulfill those needs for them. 
and others should know their wants before they communicate their wants. And this is in radical honesty. This is when we say, well, I sabotage my life by um, getting angry at people for not giving me what I didn't ask. This is a codependent uh, behavior. There is something I want. I don't ask for it. Then I get angry at people or sad at people for not getting giving it to me. Um, then the opposite of being too dependent is people being anti-dependent, which is also something that I also experienced at going to this other extreme where I was a strong independent woman. I didn't need anybody anymore, and that was lonely and great for a time being because I could prove myself that I don't need to be this too dependent person that I grew up with my family. Um, but the problem with being interdependent is that I am unable to ask for help. I'm unable to accept help. I believe that I have to do everything on my own, and I was not able to simply even to have the thought that I don't have to do this on my own was not existent until my therapist suggested me that. And I was like, hmm, no, I don't want to bother other people, although I really needed help. So it took me a few more years until I, now I do ask for help. And still most of the things I do by myself on my own, just because, I don't know, it's like, other people, can they want to help me in this? Like, this is something that I should be taking care of by myself. Yeah, uh, apparently other people do ask for help and are not dealing with everything by themselves. I don't know who they are. I have, <laughs> I'm not that. Then, so there are people who are too dependent or anti-dependent and there are people who are needless and wantless. People who don't have the capacity to self-reflect self and to spot a need and want in their own experience. And they're just not aware about their wants and needs. And that reminds me of my mom, actually. Um, not in a, any, like, bad way. It's just oftentimes my mom just runs through life and without looking what is she needing or wanting. She does everything automatically. And um, whenever she needs, she draws people in, in very indirectly. Um, and that's how she goes through life alone. <laughs> Reminds me of myself. Um, and then there's the other category of those of the codependent people who struggle to to acknowledge their needs and wants and to be interdependent is that they confuse the needs with wants. So they do get what they want. For example, like, oh, I want this new phone, or I want to eat out tonight, or I want to, you know, do these really nice, cool things. But they they think this, this is their needs, but in fact, those are wishes. The needs are to get enough sleep, to have to be rested. The need is for contact and intimacy. The want is a video game. The, the actual need is human-to-human -human contact. So those people usually get physically sick because they get overworked, burnt out, um, obese, um, and other things. 
so repeating myself, the first symptom of codependent, codependent, the first sign of codependence is difficulty experiencing appropriate levels of self-esteem. The second is difficulty to set functional boundaries. The third is a difficulty owning your own reality. And fourth, the difficulty acknowledging your own wants and needs and, and being interdependent. And the last one, the fifth one, is difficulty experiencing and expressing your own reality moderately. And when I read that, I was like, what do they mean by moderately? I sort of, I know what the word means, but how does that look like in reality? And then I was like, ha, huh, of course, because I am struggling to express myself moderately. I've been operating on two extremes. I grew up very dependent. I once left house, went all crazy, did everything I wanted to do with no repercussions. Repercussions, is that a word? <clears throat> in in the in reality, it looks like when you body related. So people who dress up on one extreme, flashy, screaming, very like very expressive on the one end, or saggy, baggy, invisible kind of thing. Codependent people either dress to show off in the one extreme or to disappear on the other extreme. They they don't have the sense of moderacy, moderacy, moderately, moderate appearance. The same with thinking. Codependent people have white or black way of thinking. It's either right or wrong. And even now when I'm doing a training and my teacher is telling me something, giving me feedback, in my mind I'm thinking, so is this right or wrong? What, what am I doing? Is this right or wrong? Whatever they're saying, is this right or wrong? Um, it's really difficult for me to remind myself or to perceive what is being told to me in neutral way, that there's neither right or wrong. And it takes me some time to just sit and relax and be like, oh yeah, right, there's no right or wrong. They're just saying what they're saying. I'm making the meaning in two directions, black or white. And there's nothing to do about it, just to be aware. And also expressing feelings moderately. In radical honesty, we do this practice where you get to express and experience anger if you're more choleric than to minimize your expression, but if you're very silent and suppressed then to maximize your expression in the way, in hopes to find a moderate way expression, expression of anger or sadness that is um, coherent with your actual physical experience. And codependent people, they either usually suppress hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, and then explode with their with their feelings. Or their first strategy is to explode and then regret and go back into self-loathing. Codependent people struggle and have difficulty experiencing and expressing their feelings moderately without shame or guilt for expressing. Hmm. I wonder if I should talk about my own personal like 
examples of experiences of this or just move on it's been 36 minutes already i've been talking so long oh god okay i'm wrapping up i'm wrapping around wrapping up <laughs> so how the negative symptoms of codependence show in our lives this book is amazing it talks about in many ways and details including talks about the parent and children relationship how we um, grew up with how codependence has been shaped in our um, childhood um, and one way is how in like five ways how uh, I'm being distracted by this notification five ways how negatively codependence is affecting life is through negative control we control other people we control what they're saying <laughs> I, I spend the sheer like a lot of my life controlling people first negatively controlling them so that they i would convince them that they are wrong and i am right and then when i started my personal development then i spent my life teaching people how to tell the truth which was another way of controlling them which just ended up in me feeling completely lonely and thinking what the fuck? Yeah, so people, codependent people suffer <clears throat> from negative control because we give ourselves permission to control other people's reality. Just like we deny our own reality, we deny other people's reality. Then we also, one of the symptoms that codependents suffer from is the resentment. We resent the fuck out of everyone in the world because we're never getting what we want because we don't even feel like we deserve to get what we want. And there's constant, I like how PM Eladishi's phrasing this, we have this need to get even or punish someone for perceived blows at our self-esteem that cause us shame about ourselves. Codependent well, people are very sensitive when it comes to, if you threaten like if you say, if you criticize something about the performance or the appearance, that's a threat to the self-esteem. That's also very fragile because it's not integrated in the humanity. It's outsourced to the external things. So we resent people whenever they don't like us. Everybody should like us. We develop our life for, you know, to be liked. How dare you to criticize us and not like us? Then the other um, way how it shows how it sabotages our lives is that we have a distorted or non-existent spirituality. I remember I once asked my spiritual teacher how did he got into spirituality, and he said that he was born with it. And I was like, "Damn, I haven't. I really struggled, and it never occurred to me because there is no such, such thing in my family." to perceive that there is a power greater than me because we codependent we had to we grew up and we had to will everything we had to do everything by ourselves and everything that was happening around us we took it that i am the center of the universe and i'm causing you know adults feel bad and disasters to happen we like sucked everything in and thought it's all my fault and so we just struggle to perceive that there's a power that is greater than us and things might be happening in the world and the universe without our fault and that's where spirituality really helps so i went to another extreme i did 
devote myself and I was looking for spirituality and then I was completely happily dissociated thinking that I got it but in fact I was just went to another extreme <laughs> so another way how codependency is sabotaging our life is that we avoid reality it's interesting that I, I switched to we so I'm just gonna be we here we avoid reality we use addictions physical illness I know how I know how to do it I, I each time I didn't want to do something, I would get sick and I could not get out of bed. I would have fever, was really like sore in my body. Doctor said that I look healthy, but I was feeling horribly sick and I could not do what I didn't want to do. Perfect sabotage technique. Use addictions like coffee. My dad uses alcohol. My mom is using work. Everybody has something that they're using, not everybody, but codependent people, they use something to avoid reality. Um, which is oftentimes painful, um, or also by mental illness to avoid facing what is going on with us internally and also other important people in our lives. Because I grew up believing that everyone around me is fine, but there's something wrong with me. But if I'm going to drug myself with substances like overeating food or sugar or coffee or alcohol or LSD or MDMA, then I don't get to really acknowledge, I don't get to see that I'm blaming myself, that I'm self-loathing, and that other people might be doing something wrong because I am completely enmeshed and I depend on them. So it's dangerous for me to see the reality as it is because that might mean that I might get angry at those people that I depend on completely, emotionally, spiritually, physically. So very good at avoiding reality. And then another way how we sabotage our lives is that we have impaired ability to sustain intimacy. Mm, it's a very, I think that I, I got into radical honesty, tantra, spirituality, sexuality to counteract the lack of. It's, these are the things that I had to learn. These are not the things that I was good at, born with, grew up with, had to like nourish, I have the, the like the things that I'm good at right now is because I experienced lack of them and I had to learn like ABC how to create it for myself because I really struggled to create intimacy. I had no boundaries. I had no sense of boundaries. So I had to protect myself completely, which meant that I could not be vulnerable, intimate with other people. That was just too dangerous, too threatening and unknown because I haven't really experienced that in, well in my own environment. And the way we impair our ability to sustain intimacy, we have difficulty sharing who we are with others, which is the honesty piece, and hearing others as they share who they are with us without interfering with their sharing process or with what they say with what they share. So the way I did that, I would control my partners and they would tell me one thing and I would say, no, 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 you're feeling a completely different thing. You must be angry. You're saying this because you're angry. And whatever they were saying, I didn't believe them. I believe that I know better what is happening with them. And that didn't go very well. So the way you can, if you can recognize yourself in these symptoms, and these are just the signs of codependence, right? So there's like a whole lot of signs 
beyond it. But if you can recognize these codependence signs, symptoms, the one step into recovery is to face them. And facing codependent symptoms is painful because you get to like you get to look at things that threaten your perception of yourself and your perception of reality around you, other people, relationships. So it's scary. It's hard work. You need community, first of all, to do it together with. And PM Melody, she even gives a phone number for a adult codependent 12-step program in the US. And I haven't looked. Maybe there is also in Europe that probably there is. I just haven't checked because I'm very late into this whole uh, wagon of um, mental illness. Um, so we need community, accountability buddies, sponsors, um, professional who knows how to work with codependency, codependency which is I'm not that. Um, and the very first step is to do the inventory of your life experiences from the age when you remember childhood to the age of at least 12 or 17 or 18. And if you don't remember, you can use your body memory and your feeling memory to access those memories with a professional. Um, and if you do remember, it's very important that you write the people who did what and also ignore the fact that if they hurt you, they didn't mean, they didn't mean it. No codependent parent means to hurt their kids by discipline control or forcing their own feelings on the child. Nobody means to hurt. But the fact was that what has been done or hasn't been done enough, like it was not not enough nourishing, nourishment, nurturing, you were left by yourself. That wasn't meant to be for you. It's not personal. It's not that other people are mean you can still acknowledge how you felt what it did to you and hold those people accountable and just say plain fact you walked and you left me there and then and I had when I started my own inventory of such memories I was shivering because I was that scared to name what my family members did what I judged to be wrong what I didn't like and a good therapist was very helpful for me, where she was naming me. Oh, so you probably were shocked when they left you alone. That was probably scary for you. And I was like, I was scared, that's true. But on my own, I was like, I was fine. Seven years old, alone at home with thunderstorms. Cool, that's like, I'm a big grown-up girl. That was That's the attitude that I grew up with to that kind of memory. From a perspective of a child though, Children are not, are scared much easier and feel that they need more protection and you're not supposed to be left alone. Yeah, so that is me today talking about the science of codependency. Um, do you have any questions? I hope that you don't have any questions actually because I don't feel like I'm a professional talking in this. There are more examples that I could provide about the codependent behavior because that is something that I see every day in my own relationships with people as well as in my clients' behavior and the, the problems that they describe. So now I'm just giving them to read about codependency um, without uh, pretending to be a 
professional at this. And also I wanna say another news, news that it's summer, it's summertime. I'm going to Lithuania. I'm gonna spend time with my mom and gonna look for Lithuanian friends and activities in my own country, which means that I don't want to commit to do any more lives until I want to. So where you can meet me is on my social media. I'm gonna keep on posting when I feel inspired to post, but I don't know when's gonna be the next live and about what so far. So I wish you a beautiful time, good holiday, good time in your summer, in your summer, enjoy the weather and I'll see you when I see you.